You're listening to Angel Insights, brought to you by Syndicarum, and today's episode takes us to Sweden, to Bjorn Evers. Bjorn has over 15 years of experience from positions as CEO, board member and investor across multiple online industries, such as management consulting, e-gaming, online identification. If that wasn't enough... Bjorn is the first investor in Jumio and the original inventor of Jumio's identification product. In addition to this, Bjorn built Jumio's sales team from the start to establish its products as a standard for identification online as the billion dollar business that it is today. Bjorn is also an early investor and board member of many successful innovative tech companies such as Bettable, Skio Music, Ever Adventure, Seven Heaven and Devcode Payments. So now it's time to hand over to the fantastic Bjorn Evers. Bjorn, it's an absolute pleasure to have you on Angel Insights. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a pleasure. Now, I'd love to start off by hearing, how did you get into angel investing? Uh, I had over a decade of experience on the e-gaming industry when I actually received my first real pitch deck. Uh, And the timing was actually perfect for me. Uh, I actually had both time and money, and the uh, the startup that was described had what I believe the uh, the holy grail for e gaming industry. And uh, I believe that if you can fix uh, a problem in the e gaming industry, uh, the solution would work in basically all you know, online industries. Uh, that that being said, I also clicked with the founder when we kind of did the uh, due diligence. Uh, So I ended up investing not only money, uh, but actually also my time uh, to to help build Jumio, which was the the company, from from scratch to what it is today. And today is a market leader in uh, online identification. And is that something that you often offer to startups, your time as well as your capital? Yes, I do. Uh, I, I believe that, you know, it, it protects me uh, a bit from the risk by being, you know, by helping them. Absolutely. With, with yes, the inside of the business. And you mentioned there your e-gaming experience and you have a large knowledge of software providers and operators and marketing. How important do you think it is for angels to have this prior experience in the industry that they're investing well, I can't speak for, for, for everyone, but for me it was key uh, to at least initially know the industry uh, because I didn't have that much experience investing. Uh, so, you know, knowing the industry inside out, uh, you know, it was um, easier for me to get into to, uh, to the investing. And I've always been good, you know, at spotting great people and founders. So, so those two, uh, you know, knowing the industry and knowing people, that kind of was important for me initially. And what would you consider your key value add to be then? Uh, so, so now when I have a few years experience, you know, I can, I can also invest in other online industries, not just gaming, but I believe that my key value add, um, I mean, first of all, I think it's different for each startup, you know, it's, it's depending on scales, what kind of company it is. Uh, but, but my, my key value is to, you know, it, it, it's, it's believing in the team and helping the team. You know, I think I'm good at spotting great people and knowing what they're good at and what, you know, 
where they need more support. So, so to, to, that's a long answer. But, you know, in short, I think my key value add is people, you know, understanding people. Absolutely. And then what do you look for in founders? Are there any kind of tells that this is an investable founder for you? Uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, uh, you know, I can take an example. Uh, I think the, the, uh, my latest investment, which is in the music industry, uh, they actually, the, the founder there had the, you know, the per- perfect fit. He, he was a uh, law student, uh, and he was a musician, and he understood that a, a big problem in the music industry is that, you know, there are lots of, you know, on the long tail side, there are lots of musicians that do not get paid for their work. You know, they can't fix the legal, get the legal framework, so they're not, cop- uh, they're not protected on the, on the IP rights and the copyrights. So he understood that as a lawyer, and he understood it as a, uh, as a musician, so he actually tried to fix the problem. So I think... Uh, and and then on top of that, I think it's a superstar. But but uh, I, I think you need to have the uh, the combination uh, where you actually you are kind of a user, but on the same side you understand you have you know the, the background to understand how to fix a problem uh, for for the users. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if that makes sense. But also you know for Jumio was also a combination the founder. He had a. He understood that it was a problem, uh, and it was He was trying to book a a, um, a flight with his credit card, and it was declined because it was in another country, uh, and his credit card was in another country. So he was stopped due to fraud, you know fraud the fraud risk. Sure, yeah. So so he, he understood that as well, and I you know I, I believe that um, yeah it's it's a combination of uh, uh, experience as a user and your professional background. And then as an angel, how do you approach deal flow? Where do you find your startups? Is it through referrals or meetup days? What's your best source? Uh, for me, it's been LinkedIn, actually. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I haven't been as proactive uh, in finding deals. It's mostly been, you know, they coming to me via LinkedIn or, you know, my network. Uh, that that is probably going to change where I'm going to be a bit more proactive uh, going forward. But as as for now, it's been uh, mostly reactive via LinkedIn. Okay, so someone approaches you on LinkedIn and then you engage in your kind of due diligence of the company. What metrics do you find yourself really honing in on and deep diving into? Uh, well, I think it's basically three parts for me it's you know, it's it's market it's product and it's execution first i will look at the potential market and for me it needs to be big enough to to build a billion dollar company in that market and i also believe that this part is not that difficult you know there are lots of smart people out there that can you know review a report and do the math uh, and and figure out how big the market is However, you know, if you know the industry, you know all the figures, so then it's even simpler. Uh, the second part is, you know, to, it needs to be, for me, it needs to be a, a, a real problem for the users in that market. And the company needs to, to fix that with the, um, with the solution. And then, of course, there are lots of 
you know things around the solution you know but but uh, I, I, I think for me this is a bit more difficult than to analyze the market you know you need to do a SWOT analysis competitors and and lots of stuff like that if you know the industry it's much easier easier again to to uh, to do the due diligence on, on the product side and then when you look at your portfolio now yeah and compare it to past and present and your strategy has your strategy altered over time uh, yes, I would say it has. You know, in the beginning, I, I mainly focused on the industry that I knew, know, knew, which was, you know, the, the e-gaming industry at the time. Uh, and then, you know, I kind of expanded that into, you know, other industries. Um, and and uh, now I try to find companies that, you know, function as an enabler or infrastructure for an industry. You know, you can have a look at, you know, Airbnb, Facebook, Google, Uber. They kind of are enablers. Um, and and then, you know, if you have a model that works for offline, you know, in the, in, you know it could be hotels, it can be yellow pages, taxis, whatever, and you, you scale it, you try to scale that online. So that's been, you know, a success for many companies. So, so in short, I try to find models that work for, you know, big offline market and see if it, you know, kind of work online. And if I then believe in the team, again, I would definitely uh, move in and, and try to help them. And so, you- so, 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 you know, so today I'm not only investing in e-gaming, you know, it's payments, identity, dating, music, and, you know, it's going to expand. And when you expanded out of e-gaming then yeah, for yeah. the first time, did you sort external uh, knowledge from friends or experts in the industry or did you go it alone? No, it was again, it was a kind of natural step for me. You know, I invested, you know, time and money into Jumio and they had a, you know, a solution for, for the e-gaming industry. But it also worked for, you know, multiple industries such as, you know, airlines, you know, financial industries and and many more. So I kind of got the the knowledge by helping Yumio, and then you know it was a natural step when I started investing in other industries as well. And in recent years, we've seen a much greater prominence of group investing or investing with other people. Do you like this approach, or do you prefer to go individually? Oh, well, for me, it's been you know moving in individually and then when I when I do see that the the model works I reach out to my to my network and, and, and friends and because I've been really protective I think you need to protect your network and you know I rather, it's almost like I rather lose my own money than my friend's money uh, you only get one chance so so I have actually been inviting uh, you know the what I call the junior mafia to to some of the investments and but you know I always invested first myself and and saw some traction and then I invited them. And how invite. do you determine which members of the junior mafia, as you put it, to invite? Are there any uh, characteristics that you look for? Uh, well, really, it's been you know I I think the. You know, again, it's different depending on what kind of companies we invest in and, and so forth. But for me, it's been, you know, uh, I, it, there needs to be a trust and respect for me with the, the individuals bring in. 
you know, because when, you know, times get tough and as a storm comes, you know, you need to help each other and, you know, use use that storm to, to, to move forward instead of, you know, sink, so to say. So, so for me, it's, it's, uh, it's trust and respect. And we hear a lot about uh, angel investors and their interaction with the founders and the company. What is your activity with them? Do you take them? How often do you meet with the founders and what kind of response levels do you expect from them? Well, they, uh, you know, first of all, we, we almost never meet, you know, in real life. It's, you know, uh, if I invest in a company from Vancouver, we, you know, we meet uh, via Skype, right? And uh, and uh, of so you course, would never, it, you would never have met face to face. Well, I have met them face to face initially, uh, but but then you know now it's been probably two years since we met. And um, sometimes you know I meet uh, them in London when I'm in London. So so uh, I mean it's it's typically they they reach out and they ask for some you know can you have a look at the latest pitch deck or what do you think about uh, you know we we're gonna do a partnership with with this company what do you think so it's really reaching out and asking for for my advice uh, and sometimes obviously I reach out and ask for an update when you know something big has happened. Uh, so it's it's a bit different depending on company. And how often would you say your contact with them is? Is it a weekly, monthly, quarterly? Uh, some companies it's weekly. Uh, it can almost be day, almost be daily for some companies, and for some companies it can be you know once per month. Uh, I think it's uh, if it's a founder. Or, and and the companies is first. I think it's it's more that we have more regular contact. But if the uh, the founder has started companies before, you know it's not that uh, it doesn't need as much support. Then it's more uh, it's more uh, that I invest uh, money than time. And do you find that with serial entrepreneurs, you know, founders who've done it before, the valuation of their companies is much higher? And are you happy to pay that for the knowledge that they have done it before? That's good that you ask that. I think that uh, serial entrepreneurs reduce uh, the risk. Uh, you know, we we talked earlier about you know what I look in uh, look for when when I do due diligence. I look for market product, but mainly it's execution that I think is is key. And you know, VCs when they invest, they they try to invest in serial entrepreneurs because that reduces the execution risk a lot. The valuation will go up. Obviously, because the risk goes down, and and often uh, serial entrepreneurs they have some money, so they can bootstrap the company themselves, and that will further increase the, the valuation. And uh, with Jumio, uh, you know, it was founded by a serial entrepreneur, so Daniel that Mattis. exactly so the, the uh, Daniel Mattis. So the valuation was a bit higher. Uh, and, and you know, the risk was a bit low, which was good for me because that's kind of where I came into uh, into investing. And now I try to invest in e- even earlier stages. You know, try to come in a seed, the seed round. And and often the the founder are not serial entrepreneurs, so the valuation is much lower. It can be time, ten times lower. Uh, the risk is much higher, and you know probably I need to uh, support them more. And what would you say then your your kind of success rate is? You know, we often hear that 90% go bust within two years or a year. What would you say yours is when you look at your portfolio? 
Well, you know, I've only been at it for, for five years and still I haven't seen any failures. Uh, I'm sure that will come, uh, you know, but, but so far so good. Uh, and, and, you know, if one company fails, I, I'm sure I'm going to learn from something from that. What's been the most difficult or challenging aspect of your angel investing experience so far? Uh, I would say the um, what I've experienced is that when the company uh, becomes bigger, uh, is that you know it becomes a different type of company. You know, it's it's they need to consider how the market reacts when they release information. So it's more it's more secrets. You know, the financial information is not always as public. You know, as not public, but you know, you don't get access to all the information yeah. uh, when you ask for that. You know, but if you uh, the smaller the companies, you know, they, there's no you know mark, market consideration in that sense. And and then if it's okay with you, we're going to move into a quick fire round. Sure. So your favorite angel investing resource? It could be a book, a blog, or a podcast. Well, I. As I mentioned, I, I try to use LinkedIn quite a lot. Uh, I think LinkedIn is a great tool uh, to you know find people, or you know if uh, someone wants you to invest in their company, you can see who they are linked to, and you can speak with you know if you have common uh, you know common contacts, so to say. I also try to use Quora a lot. I'm not sure if you yeah Quora yeah absolutely yeah, brilliant yeah. Mm. yeah I think you know but. I, well, I I have actually bought a few VC books, but I haven't had the time yet to to read them. Uh, I think it's more fun learning from the trenches, you know, to from you know, more kind of a street guy in that sense. Do you try to invest like a VC? Is that your your goal, in terms of kind of excessive due diligence, uh, investment committee style? review processes that's no not not really i try to you know i think i if you compare angel investing to to vc investing i think it's more uh, it's more kind of gut feeling for angels uh, than you know vc they can take you know a couple of months doing a big big due diligence and they have massive you know resources to do that versus you know as an angel you kind of use your network a bit more, and your you know your experience from from the industry. So uh, that being said, you know, since you know with with the success I've had for uh, with with my investing, you know that that comes with more work. So to say, you know, you the more companies you invest in, the more companies you need to help, and the more companies reach out to you for for invest investments. So. So, you know, I've actually reached out now to a few VCs to, to see how we can work together because I don't have the uh, capacity to handle the deal flow that comes in. Uh, and, and uh, yeah. And what VCs would you like to work with? Uh, without saying any names, I think for me right now, the first step would be uh, to, uh, to have a look locally. Uh, so I started to set a few meetings with Sweden, uh, the Sweden top VCs, VC companies. And then, you know, from there, you know, it would be, you know, probably London and, you know, Silicon Valley. But for now, I will start by uh, speaking with uh, Sweden, uh, you know, Stockholm VCs. And how do you measure your success as an angel? Is it on returns? Well, I, I think if you if you have a look at, you know, how do you determine if you're successful, I think, you know, from the outside, I think it's, you know, 
it's money, follow the money, right? It's, it's uh, valuations, it's ex- exit valuations, you know, all that kind of stuff that, you know, if you look at from the, from the outside. From the inside, uh, and when I say inside, I mean, you know, uh, the, the company itself, how the, would they uh, determine if you are a successful investor in the company? I think it's, it's how you help them grow. Uh, and then I think for you to be a successful uh, investor, you probably need both, right? Because if you if you if you don't have the outside success, you know you're gonna run out of money eventually. And if you don't have the inside success or respect, right? You no one is gonna come ask, asking for money because you know. So you need both. Yeah. And then your investing ethos in a sentence. Uh, it's probably gonna be you know. <laughs> execution, 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 and and you know people, right? Uh, you you uh, fire fast, you hire slow. And then your most recent investment and why you said yes. So the recent investment I made was actually a, uh, a follow-up kind of bridge investment in in this uh, you know uh, music company, Skia Music. Uh, so I mean, just in short, what they're trying to do here, they are. They're trying to fix the back end or the you know B two B side of the music industry. Uh, if you take Spotify as an example, they fixed kind of the front end or the on the user side. They they took the music industry and tried to you know put it online, right? Absolutely. Uh, and, and what what Skio Music is doing, they they are uh, on the back end side today. It's very you know offline based you have a record label you have a manager and you need to sign you know you need to speak with a lawyer to get the contract in order and all that stuff is fine if you're like you know madonna or someone like that but but if you're like a famous dj today or uh, even long tail you have like tons of musicians that they they cannot get access to that framework so they you know, they they might publish their work, but they're not protected on the legal side. So, so I th- I think the 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 market is huge, right? So Skia starts by trying to fix this for the music industry, but you know, looking long term, they can it, it can be an IP vehicle. They can fix it for for movies. You know, it can be photos. It can be anything that are protected by copyrights, right? And and if you just look at Google, Google today, they get over a million copyright takedown requests per day. Over a million, right? So that it's a huge problem, and someone needs to fix it. And I think uh, this company, the founder, is is a perfect guy to to do that. What well, hugely exciting times ahead! And Bjorn, thank you so much for joining us on this very special episode of Angel Insights. Thank you, Harry. As always, you can find all the items and resources mentioned in today's amazing episode with Bjorn on the website at www.syndicateroom.com and alongside that there will obviously be the accompanying article on some items mentioned in today's show. And if you're really enjoying the show, we'd be so grateful if you could click the link in the description for the podcast. This will take you to a direct click to tweet, so you don't even have to type the tweet out, but we would be so grateful for that. And as always, we'd like to remind you that when investing in early stage companies, your capital is at risk. So please do engage in the proper due diligence.
A huge thank you for your continued support and stay tuned for our next amazing episode.